Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Moments with Candace Parker. It's Brittany Martinez here, one of the producers for the show. As you know, the show is on a mini break since Candace has been a bit busy winning the WNBA Finals. From all of us at Wonder Media Network, a huge congratulations to Candace and the Chicago Sky for bringing home their first title. We promise we'll be back next week with a new interview. But in the meantime, here's a bonus episode brought to you by our sponsor, Capital One. This is pre-recorded audio from a live event where Candace, Jonathan Bennett, and Ali Mafuchi share advice on how to broach the topic of money with loved ones and how to engage in real conversations about money without making it super weird or awkward. So enjoy this bonus conversation from Capital One and be sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Moments with Candace Parker next week. Hello, I'm Candace Parker. WNBA athlete, broadcaster, mom, and today, your host. I'm coming to you live from the Capital One Cafe here in Chicago. Capital One knows that financial well-being is better with overall well-being because like you, well-being is a blend of so many things. The cafes like this one here were created to be places where anyone can come and relax, reflect, and recharge. And now, they've extended that virtually. Whether you watched our previous conversation or you're tuning in for the first time, thank you for joining our discussion. Speaking of which, I'd like to introduce the people joining me today. Jonathan Bennett, a blend of actor, TV host, and founder of Outbound. Hello, how are you? I'm excited to be here, Chicago. My it. kind of town, it really is. That's it. what they say. This cafe is nice too. It's beautiful. As a mom, sometimes you really do have to be in two places at once. So we have Ali Mafuchi, a blend of author, mother, and founder of Inspiralize, joining us from New Jersey. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you guys virtually. I wish I could be there. The banter is going to be really good, I hear. You know, my, my husband's probably doing the bedtime routine right now, and I'm just excited to chat. <laughs> we're excited to, um, you know, have you here. I think we're all going to just get started. Um, so let's get to it. Today, I want to talk about two things, money and relationship, specifically talking about finances with friends or family and loved ones. Ali, I'm going to start with you. Um, with more and more people putting their lives on social media, including their finances, we're finding that millennials are more comfortable talking with friends and family about changing life's plans because of financial concerns. Um, Ali, when you made a change, in your life plan by starting Inspiralized, were you able to easily talk with friends and family about finances, about the financial concern? Um, was that an easy conversation and topic to have? 
Uh, it was, and I'm in a very lucky position because my husband or my boyfriend at the time is an entrepreneur and he had already started his company a few years prior to mine. And my father is an entrepreneur. My grandfathers on both sides were entrepreneurs. So when I approached my family about starting Inspiralized, uh, they were very supportive. I think they understood uh, my passion and kind of where I came from. And I think they probably saw this path coming all along. And my friends who really knew me, um, they supported as well. And I think everyone's experienced the friends that don't um, and they're no longer here. So I think I, I surrounded myself with the right people. And um, you know, I think the entrepreneurship really helped uh, bring me up so I could have those confident conversations. And the entrepreneur in you, the was entrepreneur. This, was this an easy conversation to have with friends and loved ones? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the, the harder conversation was when I was 18 years old to my parents saying, hey, I want to be an actor and move to L.A. and become famous. And so, you know, that was a hard conversation. But, you know, as as you grow up and as as you start to really focus on what you want in your life and what your dreams and your goals are, you find that there are certain people that are helping you achieve those dreams and goals and they're and they're encouraging you to follow your dreams and do the things that you want to do. And then you find the people in your life that aren't doing that. And you realize that the people that aren't really encouraging you to be your best self and to go for your goals, those people, like, like Ali said, tend to fall by the wayside and not be around so much. So I'm lucky enough that I have been just fortunate to have a great group of friends now that just support everything we do. I mean, we launched, we launched an LGBTQ plus travel company during a global pandemic. Very challenging, uh, not, not the easiest time to launch a travel company, but what was so great is that you find people come out of the woodwork and show their support for you, and you feel so supported by not just the LGBTQ plus community, but just by everyone. And so, so I think people are afraid that they're, they're not gonna be supported, and when you take the leap and you take the chance and you go for your dreams, you end up finding that you have a lot more support than you think you did. Switching gears, we understand today's age, millennials face a different reality than our past generations face. Um, stagnant wages, ballooning student debt, loan debt, and increased medical and housing costs combined to ensure that millennials on average have less to spend than previous generations. Allie, do your financial habits differ from your parents or your grandparents? And if so, how? Again, because I came from a background where I was surrounded by these entrepreneurs, I kind of use them as models uh, for how to build a business. My father is very, very hardworking and, you know, was very good at managing his money and making sure it went to the right places to, you know, support his family. And I just saw everything that my family built and I kind of wanted to emulate that in a way. There are certain things that I had to change just getting married and having a relationship and changing, you know, to for my husband and how he was used to managing finances and things like that. But on a whole, I would think that I skew a little closer to them just because I consider myself, you know, in that, um, that entrepreneur, you know, uh, way of life. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, having my husband, his father was a traditional doctor and the mother was a stay at home, uh, mother having that as his role models. We had to have a lot of conversations about what was going to work and how we were going to kind of model our own household. I'm curious about both of you as well, because I'm sure your backgrounds were different. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, like seriously, because I think of my grandparents, can you imagine, millennials, we spend money on weird things. We just do. We're millennials, that's what we do. Like, can, I can only imagine what my grandma would think if I was like, 
hey, I'm going to pay someone to bring the food from the restaurant to my doorstep. <laughs> like, we pay like, for convenience. Like, we're paying yes. for convenience. We're paying yes. for, like, brunch all the, every Saturday. Like, there's so many things that we spend money on that are completely different from the way my, my parents, and especially my grandparents, the, the way they handle their finances. And I always, I have these moments where I sit and I think, if I'm going to make a purchase, I always think like, what would grandma and grandpa do in this situation? And if they would laugh at me and tell me that <laughs> that was crazy that I was doing it, I probably can figure a way to to get whatever it is I need without spending the money and actually taking, get off the couch, drive to the restaurant if you're ordering takeout and pick it up yourself. Like we can do that. So, you know, there, it's just a different world from what they grew up in. What about you? It's a different world. I think the challenge is, am I doing this for myself or am I doing it to show somebody else something? I think those are the questions that I ask myself because yes, I, there's a certain amount of money that I will pay for for convenience yep. because with convenience comes time. Yep. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that do things that they cannot afford to do just to take pictures to put it on social media. So I think that our grandparents aren't scrolling on their phone. Like, I sat next to a lady on the plane today, and she literally just stared out the window. Like, I, I, don't even, I can't like even understand just, that. She, no earbuds, what? no phone, no book, nothing. She just <laughs> stared out the window, and it's like, that's that generation. Right. In a nutshell, where it's like, can you imagine no music in the car, nothing? And so now it's like we're just oversaturated with so many opportunities and so many things and like trying to keep up with everyone. Right. So I guess for me, it's like staying true to what I need financially as well as, you know, convenience, who I am. And I think, you know, not to sound... It's a balance and a blend. It's a blend. And she got the tagline in, everyone. I got it. I Amazing. Got it. Nailed it. <laughs> I got it. But, you know, switching gears from relationships with friends to dating and with your significant other, um, with your partner. Allie, I'll start with you. When you first entered into a family unit with your husband, you know, did your perspective on finances change? And if so, how? Because it's a different dynamic when it's two people that are dealing with different incomes, different jobs, different opportunities, having to unite and come together and figure out things together. Yes, definitely. And I, I you know, it was definitely something that was a big bit of a struggle in the beginning. And it changes, life changes, and people's priorities change during a union. Um, so it definitely is ongoing. But what I would say is that what I learned is what someone spends their money on and prioritizes might not be what you want to spend your money on and prioritize. So for example, something kind of silly, but it ends up being a bigger conversation is vacations. I'll never forget the first time I booked a vacation with my husband. That's when I realized, oh wow, he doesn't like to splurge on hotels and travel and vacations. And so it was this conversation of like, no, I want to stay at this really great place. I really want to spend my money on these experiences. Um, and then I remember when he wanted to rent, um, to lease our first car. And I was like, I'm fine with just, you know, an average car, but he really wanted this exciting, nice car. And that was just something we had to have these conversations on and what we wanted to spend our money on together. And I think you learn to compromise and you learn what each person's ticks are and, you know, where you kind of push a little for yourself and advocate and when to kind of back down and just pick and choose your battles. Jonathan, what about you? Well, when, when I got... Let me say this. I was I was a giant man child, you know, grew up as a child actor. So spending money and, and budgeting, I didn't really understand because 
we lived in this Hollywood world and it just, I never really focused on it. And it wasn't until I met my fiance, James, and we started our relationship. And after about a year or so, when we realized, hey, this is getting really serious, we had to have the conversation where we sit down and like share our portfolios with each other and say, here's what I have and here's my investments, here's my debt, here's what you have. And we actually had our portfolios printed out and we sat across from each other on the couch and we just swapped them. And then we opened them up and read what each other had. And that was a very, very scary moment. And I think a lot of people starting relationships, they, I mean, you don't want to be the poor one, right? Like in the relationship, you're like, gosh, what if they have way more money than me? Because we get insecure about money. And it, it, it's crazy because it, it, you know, it's, it's something you should be insecure about. You know, we're all fighting the fight. We're working hard to make it, but it's 2021. It's a crazy world. And so the, the relationship that I have with my, fian my my boyfriend at the time, we were comfortable enough where we could do that, but it was also scary. And I can tell you, once it happened, it was like ripping a Band-Aid off. Because I thought like, what if he has billions of dollars hidden somewhere and I don't know about it? Or what, you know, what if I, I have a ton of debt compared to his? And when we actually compared finances, we were pretty close to the same. Like it was pretty equal. And so that really helped us solidify you know, who we were going to be starting this relationship together and how we were going to grow together because we, we were able to level the playing field and say, here's what we have. What are our goals? Okay, now we know realistic goals and things that we need to start saving for. And you're able to actually plan your future better because you know all the cards are on the table. So even though it's scary, I get it. Like, it, it's scary, but it's probably the best thing we ever did as a couple because by doing that early in our relationship, we were able to achieve our goals so much quicker because there, there were no hidden, hidden bags of money in the closet, if you will. Or hidden debts. Or hidden debts in the closet. <laughs> Skeletons in the closet with money. Yeah, you know? I wouldn't mind the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wouldn't mind the bags of money. No, but I mean, that is a difficult conversation and a lot of people delay that and they put it off and you're delaying the inevitable. And I think that sometimes a little bit of understanding um, and you come to what you're comfortable with. You share what you're comfortable with. And I know that within a relationship, you can either face it up front mm -hmm. or you can try to face it later. And it's going to be a lot harder the later that you face it. Um, if you're in a relationship where your significant other is making more than you, how do you avoid feeling insecure or less than? Oh, easy. You make them buy dinner all the time. That's a, no, I'm just kidding. Like if you're, if you're in a relationship with someone making more money than you, it, you remember it's your value is not dependent on how much money you have in the bank or how much money you make. Your value in your relationship is about you. It has nothing to do with the money. It is about who you are as a person. And if you're in a relationship with someone that loves you and someone that values you as a human, that's all they're seeing. The money is completely secondary. So you should never feel less than because you make less money than the person you're in a relationship with. That's absolutely not. Allie? I completely agree. I completely agree. I think your actions can supplement more than a high salary or a big savings account. I think that there's ways that you can support one another, friends or family, um, that lift them up more than an expensive dinner or something like that or, or you know, a big savings account would. And I think you learn to know that about your partner. You learn to know if they are making more than you and say they are really, really hardworking and they're working late nights or something, maybe there's something special you can do that does make you feel like you're, you know, 
you're contributing on that level, if that's something that you're uncomfortable with. Because I can, I can see how that would be if you, you, know, you could feel uncomfortable. But there's ways you know, as Jonathan said, what your worth is defined by it has nothing to do with your money. I think boundaries, just to add to what you guys said. I do believe in boundaries. And I know everybody talks about that, but I think boundaries are super important within a relationship because you might think that somebody doesn't feel uncomfortable, but addressing those issues and those insecurities actually helps a relationship. Like I cannot go and spend this money in this restaurant, but I can take you out here. So, you know, I think setting those types of boundaries of what you are capable of doing, um, you know, especially in the dating phase, I think that's when everybody kind of is like up in the air about what's expected and, you know, how much you can give. And that's when you feel, you know, maybe insecure about what you can and cannot do. But I think boundaries is what, you know, the other person can know that this is what I'm comfortable with. This is how much I make, how much I'm able to spend. And we can't do brunch every single Saturday. Right, right. You know, it's so funny because this just dawned on me in this moment because for me, relationships are all about a triangle, right? For me, there's my side of the triangle, there's James's side of the triangle, and then there's James and my side of the triangle. So a relationship is a triangle. And if any of us are not doing our best, it starts to push in on the triangle and the triangle crumbles, right? If, either, if any of the sides start to falter. And that's the same with money and relationships. If someone's not pulling their weight or at least paying attention to the finances or if you're not paying attention to them together, the whole thing crumbles. So I think it's just about making sure that you're taking care of your side of the triangle, they're taking care of what they can take care of on their side, and then you're also taking care of it together, making sure that you know, you're not going out and splurging too much, but you are splurging when it's the right time and it's okay. And I also am a big believer in being able to take care of yourself, especially within the dating phase. Like you should be able to take care of yourself and wherever that leads, whether it's going out to restaurants, whether it's cooking at home, whatever that is, just ensuring that you're capable of, you know, being in this world and taking care of yourself. I'm alive. Yes, yes. I am alive. Um, um, how do you talk to your partner about shared accounts versus separate accounts? And I know this is a big thing. We actually had a dinner the other, um, a couple weeks ago with me and my friends and we were talking about, do you guys have shared accounts or do you have joint accounts or do you have both? What do you have? I myself, I, I, myself um, I have both. Because in my reasoning behind this is when I buy a gift, I don't want that person to know how much I spent on their gift. Now, I do believe in having this money for you that you can do what you want with it, but also you are a unit. So I do believe in a shared account for bills and you know vacations and spending and things like that. It hasn't always been that way. I've evolved to this point, but I do believe that when I buy my significant other a gift, I don't necessarily want them to be on you know, online, like, huh. Oh, <laughs> oh, you went and got yeah. an like, Applebee's oh, gift card yeah, for me. Yeah, it wasn't, mm -hmm. uh, wasn't what I thought what it was. was that? No. <laughs> what about you? Oh, you know, we have separate accounts and I think everyone has a different way of doing this. We're only engaged. Maybe when we get married, it'll change. But right now we just kind of operate with a lot of communication. So even though we have separate accounts, we don't have a joint account at all. And I, we don't really think it's necessary because it's like, for us, I mean, the biggest myth in being an actor and a person in entertainment is like, oh, you're on TV or in movies. 
you're loaded, you're rich. No, no, we are gig to gig. We work, we work job to job. And when we're not working, you're not working and you're not making money. And so there are months where James will be working a lot more than me because something he got a gig for something. So that month, he'll tend to kind of take care of things more. Or if there's a month where I booked a movie or something, then I'm like, okay, I'll take care of a little more of the finances that month. So we just kind of like, oh, I'm doing really well this month. I'll pay for the dinners more, you know? So you just kind of really keep the communication open. What about you, Allie? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it totally depends on personality type and no one gives you a playbook when you get into a relationship. Like this is how you should manage your finances the best. I think that you know, if you tend to be more type A, maybe sort of something more scheduled and divided is is better. I think it just depends totally on the person. And as Jonathan has been saying, that latter part of the triangle, the couple together, how you work best. For us, we are completely together. But Candace has mentioned this before about the present giving. So it's kind of changing my perspective on that a little. I might need to make a separate account so that I can hide the gifts. But we have been shared... Um, since we got married and before then we were just kind of in the same way like as Jonathan was saying I'll get you and you get me it all you know sort out together we're in this we're in this together so our money feels the same and especially when, because we have children uh, we're expecting two more I think when you get into that those situations as well I think it's more less about the husband and wife and more about the family together and especially the children so it gets a little more um, sticky there and I wouldn't do what your friends do just because everyone's doing it. I would do what works for you or it's going to lead to problems. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I guess my follow-up question to that is when is the first time that you discuss things like this? Well, it's funny because what you said where, uh, or what Ali said where she said, I like to splurge on vacations and, you know, I don't really care about the car. The first time we ever talked about finances was because I wanted to take James to Mexico for his birthday and I wanted to have a lot of friends come and I said well I'll just we'll just get rooms for everyone and then they just buy their flight and that'll be the birthday gift for how we how, how we celebrate you know that'll be my gift and he said I don't want you spending that money and I said no it's okay like it was a good month we can do it and that kind of spiraled the conversation into sitting down and having the portfolio swap and so it was, it was literally where I tend to spend way too much money on vacations because I love vacation. And he, that makes James break out in hives. And so I've learned, A, not to talk about vacations at dinner because I don't want him to break out in hives. And number two, that we work best as a couple when he keeps me in check and I keep him in check about spending and finances. So it's okay to keep your partner in check if you're in a relationship. Like it's all right to say, hey, Maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, be open and honest about it. Like, talk about it. Just because you have discrepancy over what you should be spending money on doesn't mean you're not in a great relationship. Allie, what are your, what are your feelings? Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I, I think he, what Jonathan and everyone here is saying is it is, you know, you got to do what works for you in your relationship. For Lou and I, it was a similar experience where I was starting my business in Spiralize. And what happened was I literally called him at work and said, I'm ready to quit. I want to start in Spiralized. And he was like, all right, go for it. I walked into my boss's office. I quit. The next day, I bought Inspiralized.com and started from scratch. And I think, you know, there was a conversation within like a week or so of that where I was out to brunch with him. And we, I was kind of like, if I do this, what does it mean for us? And that's when we had to kind of dive into that conversation of, okay, what does this mean financially for us? So it kind of took something like that 
for us to get the conversation really started. But on our first date, he told me, you know, we had like finance talks. He told me that he was just started his company and that he was living on a, you know, he just gotten off his brother's married couch. His brother had just gotten married and he was living with a couple. So for him and I, it's always been very open um, and like kind of a no shame zone. But I know that's not how it is for everyone. So you have to do what works for you. You know, I think everyone talks about millennials loving brunch, avocado toast, as we were talking about earlier. But what are the fun things that you all absolutely have to budget for? And do you ever feel guilty when you're spending money on yourself as opposed to your family? Allie? Um, I definitely think for me, and it keeps coming up, but it is it is vacations. And I think that for me, yes, I have a family, but to me, going away with my kids is a trip. It's not a vacation. So I sometimes do feel guilty when I want to spend this big, large chunk of money on a vacation, just my husband and I. Mainly, there's like mom guilt that plays into that, but it also is a little bit of financial guilt because now I'm thinking of college, um, potential weddings that we have to save towards. Um, and I think just as our family does grow, I think that everything will will continue to change. What about you too? What, what are you? What do you absolutely have to say for Candice? Are you? What, what, what is it? I absolutely <laughs> love vacations. You love vacations? I love vacations. And I say with an S on the end, like vacations. Um, I really think it's just a great time because I really believe in presence versus presence. And I say that because my daughter understands that I will splurge on memories and experiences. I don't really like things because... She doesn't remember what I got her for Christmas when she was six, but she does remember us going and looking at the Christmas trees and going and visiting Santa on the train and things like that. So I will splurge on those experiences. And that includes, you know, vacations, that includes birthdays, but not things. Um, and so I think that those are kind of like my non-negotiables. What about you? Okay. I'm normally with both of you on all this and I agree on the vacations. I agree on the experiences. Nothing's more important than experiences in life. However, <laughs> there is one thing that I really want that I've told my fiance many times and he finally said, okay, if you start your own little account for it, you can put a little money in every time and then when you get enough, you can buy one. I want a boat. A boat? I want a boat. I grew up on a boat <laughs> my whole life. I used to like go tubing and water skiing with my family on the lake and I just love the idea, experience. but that's experience. So no, I want the boat it. because a lot of my friends in LA, they've never done the, the boating experience where you go out with six friends, you go tubing, you know, you have some amazing food on the boat, you know, bring snacks and you just spend all day in the sun tubing and just going around the lake. It's just so much fun to me. So what we've done in this is I've created a little account and every time I get a paycheck, I put a little bit of money in, and in probably another 40 to 55 years, I'll be able to afford a boat. So unless anyone has a boat for sale, let me know. Jonathan, put it in the comments. This is hilarious because one of my friends has a boat, and I went Can with we be him friends with them? one time. Can I follow them on Instagram? I went okay. with him one time to fill up the boat with gas. So you might want to put a, a few extra a dollars few extra, in there. It's expensive. <laughs> because gas for boats, like we complain about gas for yeah. cars. Gas for boats are out of this world. It's like so just jet a couple fuel. more, yeah, just a couple more dollars. 
Best day of a boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. That's what they say. So at least we'll have two good well, days with it. We're friends now, so you'll yeah, call we'll have, me for tubing. Yeah, call him. The experience. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> you all, we're, Don't forget we're, about the virtual friend. Yes, the virtual friend. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, uh, what is your advice for someone who feels they need to maintain monetary status to keep friends and company? Allie. Um, we've said it too. I think that Jonathan really eloquently expressed um, what the response should be. I think you have a sit down with that friend and you explain to them your, what, what your perspective is about that. And I think that you want to surround yourself with people who have the right values as you and you want to really enjoy your time with that person. And I think that if you, you know, you meet people along the way who think that flashy things and this highlight reel is what brings happiness, then that isn't for you. And just to be honest about that, because I think keeping up with the Joneses is a slippery slope and a dangerous spiral that cannot, you know, rarely ever leads to true happiness, being really honest with them about it. Um, I think that Jonathan really said it really well before. So Jonathan, if you want to hop in oh, on there. Yes, I call this, <laughs> I call this the avocado toast syndrome with, and it happens with millennials, especially. And that is the idea that we have to go out on the weekends and to be cool, we have to spend $25 on avocado toast. Like, can you imagine telling your grandparents like, Hey, I spent $25 for a piece of bread with avocado and an egg and some type of fig relish it's for on it. Instagram, like, it's Jonathan. all for Instagram. It's for exactly. Instagram. So like we have this lie in our heads that as you know, to be cool and be with our group of friends, we all have to go out because they're all doing it. However, what I've noticed is nine times out of 10, if someone in that group just says, Hey, do we not want to spend $200 every Saturday going to these brunches? Do we want to maybe next Saturday, everyone just come over, we'll make some breakfast at our house and we'll hang out. You can take pictures anywhere. You can put them on Instagram. So, you know, the avocado toast syndrome, I think is very dangerous because it put, it makes, it's the fake money. Like we have all this money and we can spend it just because our friends are doing it. When nine times out of 10, the friends that are complaining that like, oh, you can't go and do this are usually the friends that don't have the money to be doing it in the first place, but they're keeping up the image. So talk to your friends and throw out the idea, hey, maybe we don't spend all of our money on brunch. There's an idea. Just throw it out. See what they say. We call that keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. That's another, yeah, avocado yeah. toast, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, I think that when you're in a circle and you're not comfortable with something, and I know that this goes back to, I, I always say this, I'm like, if, if we could just go by what we learned in kindergarten, like be nice to others, say please and thank you, like don't push and shove, don't do something that you know. I talk to my daughter all the time. You know it doesn't feel right. You know you shouldn't do it. But as an adult, you still go forward and do it. And those are the people that aren't, you know, okay with saying no. And so if you're in a situation where you don't think that you can say no to your friends because you're not comfortable or you can't do it, then you're probably, you know, with the wrong people. And I know that sounds old. We, we are getting on the old <laughs> well, end of the millennials. Well, let me tell you about kindergarten. <laughs> Back in my... No, I'm just kidding. It's true, though. Like, we are... I'm realizing my... Teammates are closer we to my to daughters. We used to walk to kindergarten, 10 miles. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, just, we're keeping it real here today, We're guys. keeping it real, but like, keeping it real. I've had some major realization this year. My, my teammates are closer to my daughter's age, some of my teammates, than they are to me. So I'm realizing like I am starting to be the old like voice of reason, which is really <sighs> concerning. I know, but, but isn't it kind of nice? Because you're watching them do things and you give so the advice. Nice. You say, 
you shouldn't be doing that. It's gonna end. It's gonna end poorly, that's, and then they do it and it ends poorly. Like told you so. Yeah, that's always great, except for like you know when your socks are too high and they're making fun of you, and then you realize like you made fun of your vets because their socks are too high. But um, what is one mistake you made in a major relationship where you shared money with a partner, significant other, or even a friend? Don't lend your friends money. Just don't do it. Like no one ever wants to be in the position to uh, of lending money. Like. If you're the person that you have, if you're the person having to go to the friend to say, hey, can I borrow money? That's a just, it's not a good situation for you. It's, it just sucks. If you're the person getting asked to borrow the money, it just sucks. Like sharing money between friends always gets super crunchy. And I did it back in my like late 20s when I was an actor in Hollywood. We would, you know, you would borrow money from friends because you weren't booking and it just never ended well. So if there, if you can go around, in my advice, if you can go around using resources like Capital One, like use resources like Capital One because there's so many amazing ways that they can help you plan for your financial future. I mean, that's why we're all here right now to talk about the relationship. So go to places like Capital One, talk with an advisor, talk with someone there and say, hey, I really need this money. I'm sure there's ways that you can figure it out without having to ruin the relationship with your friend because it just never... I mean, nine times out of 10, again, doesn't end great. It doesn't end great. And I guess my philosophy behind that is when you lend somebody money, I don't have the expectation that I'm going to get it back. So I know a lot of people lend money and they're not, their cup is not full. They're not okay financially themselves and they're trying to do for others. So Allie, have you had an experience like that? You know, I, I, I've been thinking about this and I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've made um, around money with a, with a family member is not speaking to that family member sooner about an issue I had with the way that they um, treated money. I have a family member who, you know, if I would go to a coffee shop and pick up a coffee, she would ask for the $3 for the coffee. And for me, it's like I would just, you know, buy them a coffee. It's a family member. And that keeps happening and happening and happening. And I swallow it instead of saying, hey, that really hurts my feelings that you won't spend $3 on a coffee for me. And then it ends up being bigger things, you know? And, and I think that, that mistake for me is not speaking up for myself and it's eating away at me and then it kind of hurts our relationship a little bit, you know, because it, it, it builds resentment. So as we were talking about being honest about all these conversations, it just shows that, you know, I'm thinking about it and I even like, I'm starting to tense up, like it really upsets me. So I w- after this, live stream. <laughs> I'm going to have the conversation with her that it really does affect me and that it's something that I think about all the time and every time we interact where money is involved. Allie, I will always buy you coffee. Anytime you want it, you just tell me, I got you, girl. Okay? <laughs> I'll meet you at a Capital One Cafe. Thank you. Heard the coffee's great. Jonathan, yes. you're on the hot seat. Here we go. Um, how can I still have a social life while making smart spending choices? I mean, how, how can any of us have a social life with, while still making smart spending choices? Um, I mean, this is so cliche, but it's so true. So listen to your Uncle Johnny here. Uh, everything that you do in life with, when it comes to having a social life doesn't have to be expensive. Beaches are free. Hiking is free. You know, walk, d- bike rides are free. There, there are so many things that game don't night. cost money. Like game night? Game, 
Game night. What what's game your favorite night. game to play? Oh my gosh, Taboo. I love Taboo. Taboo is my I love that game. and Heads Up. Heads Up is a good I one. I could too. do it. Like though that's that's social. I, I I think for me, I grew up I mean I've worked in Hollywood for 20 years and you learn what how fickle some friends are and how those aren't re- the real people you want in your life. And you know, find your find your family, find you find your chosen family, your group of friends that you want to have around you that can have game night and that's just as good as going out to a thousand dollar dinner and like traveling the world because those are the moments that matter those intimate moments are what matters in life the, the where you can be together and share these really fun experiences without spending a lot of money that's true friendship do you know what i'm gonna add i love what you said um about having friends that are able to do other things than just go out to dinner because right. you know they're it's great but at the same time I think you get to know your your friends my friends and I we don't buy each other gifts same we buy each other experiences and things like that so one friend will do like we did an escape room one time and she you know that was her gift to us so I think sometimes we focus on the present not to go back to that we focus on the present but like it really is about the experience. And so if you do want those experiences, you know, obviously there's sacrifices and things that you can do to ensure that you, you know, that you do that. Ali, is it similar for you? Like how do you deal with, you know, still having a social life but still making smart sound financial decisions? Yeah, definitely. I think that I if there's one silver lining of the past, you know, difficult year plus, I think it's we've all realized how much fun we can have at home. I know we're done having fun at home and we want to get outside, but I think what I've learned is how much I can actually do in my own home without leaving because every time I leave, I kind of, you know, you end up spending money in some way. And it really forced me to as I know the theme has been like this presence, this physical but mental presence, being, you know, doing these silly things like game nights or, you know, cooking a dinner just from your pantry or doing like your own chopped episode at home. Um, I, I obviously love to cook, so I'm always theming something around there. But I think that there's so many ways that you can bond. But having said that, I, I've struggled along the way because my husband is nine years older than me. So his friends were always in this, you know, I guess you could say like better off financial position where they were more established. They were higher, you know, C-level executives at these companies or, or, you know, they had, they just had more time to accumulate wealth. My husband and I were kind of like at the bottom of it, um, even though he was older than me because we were starting these companies. So that was really difficult to kind of be like, all right, we can't do all the flashy things your friends are doing. Why don't we show them this fun way? Like, why don't we invite them over, um, you know, like bring your own potluck dinner and we'll play board games. You know, I love Pictionary personally, but I think it's taught us definitely like a resilience and what really matters. It definitely has taught us what really matters. And a whole nother um, time, 45 minutes would be on kids and keeping up with other parents and making sure that you're making sound decisions. Because boy, in LA, it's like kids' birthday parties. It's ridiculous. There was a lion at a five-year-old's birthday party. I was like, this is crazy. So yeah, that's a whole nother another statement (laughs) but it looks like we're coming to the end of our time and I really want to say that I really enjoyed talking with the both of you Uh, this is great to hear different perspectives and in the bigger picture talk about money in a really open and honest way that's it for this bonus episode of moments with Candace Parker you can check out the full conversation at capitalonecafeevents.com thanks to our season sponsor Capital One And another huge shout out to our WNBA champion and host, Candace Parker.